Welcome to the Mortcast. Uh, today is a uh, is going to be an interesting. I mean, I always say this an, an interesting podcast, but um, I've been trying to do branch out and do a couple more things uh, that I haven't been doing before. I'm going to be start doing these. Uh, um, what are they called on, on Twitter? These uh, th- those speaker things on Twitter, um, and. I'm going to start doing those things after some games, not all of them. We'll see how that works. Um, but uh, I'm trying to improve engagement with uh, the Mortcast. Um, this has been a, a labor of love. I don't get compensated for anything I do on the Mortcast or the Gen X show. Um, this is a, this is just something that I do for um, to keep basically just just be this is my identity uh, this is the best way to put it so um if anyone has a way for me to kind of improve engagement here uh, i'll be glad uh, short of me um uh, getting younger and talking about things that y- appeal to young people um as we all know i am not very good at that sort of thing uh but you know look i'm i'm looking for suge- suggestions here so if uh, anyone has anything that they would like to contribute uh, get at me at uh, at jmorton78 on twitter um and we'll go from there um but as for today's podcast there's been a flurry of activity since i spoke with adam Mata's uh, last friday uh the nuggets um uh, converted uh, Davon Reed to a two-way contract. Um, they have traded Bull Bull for Rodney Magruder, and they are about to, in the near future, sign um, DeMarcus Cousins to a 10-day contract. Um, all of that is to say, none of that is going to necessarily fix what's wrong with the Nuggets. Um, and what's wrong with the Nuggets is the fact that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are injured. And to a much lesser extent, PJ Dozier. Um, there, there. That is, that is, it. And as I said before, there's nothing that's going to change that for the Nuggets this year. Sands a miracle happening, and both of them coming back from injury this year. Um, this season is about survival, folks. This season is about um, the Nuggets just keeping their heads above water and remaining competitive. Um. There is no coaching decision that is going to necessarily improve their lot. Um, and there's the Nuggets are very limited on what they can do, which is why you see 10-day contracts for DeMarcus Cousins, uh, who I'll get to in the second segment. Or you see trades for the likes of Rodney Magruder. Um, and uh, James Ennis came in on, on a hardship 10-day contract. I don't expect him to be here long. Um it is it's kind of just the nuggets are muddling through in a muddle through year um and i as i pointed out before i don't particularly feel sorry for the nuggets because everyone is having some issues the team they're playing tonight the clippers is missing both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and uh Luke Kennard and Isaiah Hartenstein everyone everyone in the league has gone through this Everyone in the league is going through the same BS right now, be it a combination of injuries or COVID stuff. It's just, it, it is what it is. So the Nuggets are just having to struggle through as best they can. Um, I don't get into the, I feel sorry for Nikola Jokic stuff, because quite frankly, the guy is, is putting up great numbers this year on a team that is two games above 500. 
Um, if Nikola Jokic wasn't out there, this team would be have won six games this year. Um, that is 100% a fact. Um, Nikola Jokic matters, and he knows he matters, and it, it's just it is what it is. That Nikola Jokic is 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 that important, and he knows he's that important. I don't think feeling sorry for him produces anything other than unnecessary sympathy for someone who doesn't ask for it. Um, but look, in some sense, maybe the Magruder signing will help out a little. Um, there was a report by, from Mike Singer last week talking about how the Nuggets were looking to add a wing and a big, and, you know, look, they did. Um, now the realities of big trades are this, um, and you've seen this today, and I'll get to this also in the second half about the, uh, the stuff from Mark Spears about, uh, the, the, uh, Daryl Morey, including the, uh, Tobias Harris and any sort of, uh, Ben Simmons package, which is hysterical, um, to think about, but I'll talk about that in the second half. Um, but with any trade package, you need to have assets. And um, the reality of the situation is Aaron Gordon can't be traded, nor would they could think about trading him. Michael Porter Jr. can't be traded, nor would they think about trading him. Uh, Jamal Murray can be traded, but they are not going to trade him. And those are three of your biggest assets, obviously leaving Jokic off the table because that ain't happening. Um this Nuggets team is kind of bereft of pieces they could move for difference makers right now. And uh, that is just, just the, the fact of life. That is a 100% fact of life. The Nuggets just do not have that person. And if we think about it, sorry, I've been drinking coffee. Um, if we think about it, we saw this team completely healthy for a stretch of eight games last year. That's it. Jamal goes down after that, and they muddled through the rest of the regular season and then lost in the second round. Um, when you think about it, their their defeat of the Blazers in the first round was pretty remarkable, but it may say more about the Blazers than it does about the Nuggets. Um, this is where the Nuggets are at right now, and they can't really do anything until they see these guys back. I've gone on record of saying that I don't think the Porter uh, surgery is as dire as people are making it out to be. Um, he felt better immediately, and this is something that is just going to have to be a fact of his life going forward. Um, having disc issues requires follow-ups because it just puts pressure on your spine, on the disc, it hurts. The pressure, the, the spine surgery relieves pressure. This is going to be a cycle that he's probably going to have to deal with because he's an athlete. Uh, Jamal Murray, I don't know. Um, I told Adam Mahrez last week I'm a little worried about about Jamal is such a, a, a hard worker that I just worry about rebound injuries, which is necess- this is basically a a an MCL injury on the other knee. Um, I just worry about that sort of thing. But there's more. There's more. There's more of that stuff that that circulates circulates outside there, and the Nuggets are kind of stuck in a position to where they kind of have to write it out and maybe add these ancillary p- the pieces, understanding that their ceiling is the future. 
Their ceiling is not this year. Their ceiling is next year. Their ceiling and approach, anything approaching their ceiling is next year. So short-term moves and anything like that is not, just, it's not going to get this team any, anywhere, and it probably could hurt them in the future. Um, people have criticized the, the uh, with some revisionist history, kind of criticized the Gary Harris and uh, R.J. Hampton for uh, Aaron Gordon trade. Um, let me tell you something. The Nuggets do that trade every time, every way. Every, and just they, they will do that again. Um, and it showed the team, just the team became much better with that kind of player, with that starting lineup. Um, and they will do that again, and they, they don't regret making that decision. And Gary Harris, it just his time in Denver was done. Uh, R.J. Hampton is the guy I kind of would wish the Nuggets had right now because he's on a cheaper contract. But you know that's the price of doing business sometimes. You know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta pay pay the cost, and uh, that is what got the Nuggets what they got. And I would still do that. And and, and for the most part this year, Aaron Gordon has been really good, uh, despite the. I mean, he's playing a role that he was not brought in to play. Uh, his volume and high usage is not something that he was supposed to be. I mean, the last game, uh, because they have Jermichael Green in the starting lineup for some reason, um, he is having to shoot corner threes. And I, I, that's not his role. That is, his role is to be more of a bully and get in the, in the paint, and you've got Jermichael Green standing in the dunker spot, and it just causes chaos. Um, it worked out for the Nuggets because they were, you know, playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I, it's not always going to be that way. So, but in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, the Nuggets are doing what they can to get through the year. Um, that's not to say they don't want to win. They, of course they want to win. This is Michael Malone's contract year. He wants to win desperately. Desperately. And I happen to think he'll get a pass for the lot for the injuries this year. Don't, don't, I don't want the aggregators out here um, <laughs> getting pissed off at me because I said something about the reality of the situation. This is Michael Malone's contract eight year, but he's definitely going to get a pass for the injuries this year. I just don't see how they could look at this year and to say that a lot of this is his fault. Michael Malone's faults and attributes are baked in. He's been here for, this is his seventh year, um, or sixth year, excuse me. Um, there is, there's just no, there's nothing uh, Malone has done or can do to change the coach, the type of coach he is. He's, it's, it's, it's too baked in. There's, there's no growth left. Um, so whatever the decisions the Nuggets make will be based on his entire thing. Not this year, which is not his fault. Nothing this year is Michael Malone's fault. But this is a contract year for Malone, so he, he really wants to win. And... Uh, it just, just, I don't think the quote winning, the rate of winning that which he wants to do is going to be in the cards this year. This year's about survival, and it's easy for GMs to have a long view, particularly Tim Connolly, who's who's safe at his job, is very good at his job, and um, you know the others in the front office. It's a lot harder for a coach to be um, big picture unless they have a long contract, and I don't see that ever in the cards for Malone. Um, 
you know, he's got one year left next year that, like I, as I've explained to people, next year is, is coaches hate going into a year without having an extension. They're a lame duck coach. And the theory is that no one will listen to you if you are going to a year as a lame duck. And that's what happened to Mike D'Antoni, actually. Um, so, you know, just that's something to think about. I happen to think that various things will be at work after the year. Um, and maybe Malone gets one more, another year added to his contract. Who knows? Um, I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information on that, but I will say that this is obviously, we cannot dispute that the, the Malone being in a contract year, essentially this year is, um, uh, affecting probably his emotions this year, I would say. And this goes into the stew of survival this year. This, you know, he's just coming off of COVID. Uh, he had a rough time for about two, three days. And um, it's, it's not fun to go through. Um, there are just a bunch of things that makes this year kind of shit for the entire NBA. It just really is. And we just can't, you can't, there's nothing, there's no one neat trick that is going to solve everything here. It just is what it is. And I think the more I, I was talking to my friend uh, Tim Miller about this, the more I look at this year, the more I'm just completely zen about it. And there's just no, there's just a lot of shits out of their control. And when you understand that, it's kind of like okay, you know, the Will Barton dribbling the air out of the ball for twenty seconds doesn't bother you as much. Um, the, the Jermichael Green turnovers or bricked shots don't bother you as much. Um, Faku Capasso and his turnovers don't bother you as much. All that stuff just doesn't bother you. Once you understand as a fan that this year's kind of just the shit. And, and I don't mean in a good way. This is just a shitty year. And once you get to the other side of it, you know, think, you know, wait, you know what? It's... It, Start thinking about next year, because next year is going to be the kick-ass one. This year, not so much. All right, before I talk about the rest of what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Moisey in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple of blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Uh, you can go now, go in there now, just kind of try out that... Uh, whiskey so whiskey uh finished uh, riesling which is went done from whiskey barrels with deviation distilling or you can try the 2017 cabernet which is one of my favorites could try the blake street blend all oh, those are good wines i mean i'm a red fan but they also got whites uh, they got rosés um they if you're not a fan of uh of um cabernets or zins they got uh malbecs they got a merlot it's basically not everything you need. They're really a great, great location here in Denver. Now, with Omicron going on, you may want to stay home. Go to bfwdenver.com get yourself a virtual wine tasting. Um, that stuff is uh, um, very, very, very popular, particularly in the winter. Um, or you can just uh, go to bfwdenver.com, pick yourself a bottle for your shipment, uh, delivery, or curbside pickup. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. 
You, uh, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I got thoughts on that. There is one thing that is bugging me, and I maybe someone can you know help me out with this. Um, Cousins was doing actually very well with Milwaukee, and they let him go. Was that because they got players back, or was it because he was doing the DeMarcus Cousins being a pain in the ass thing? That is what I wonder. Um, Cousins does carry with him a reputation. Um, Not a great one. But also, he had a good relationship with uh, Michael Malone when Malone was head coach of the Kings uh, back in 2014 and 15. So, does that mean that the presence, the mere presence of Malone will contradict the pain in the assery? I don't know. Um, I, I am very curious about this. Now, there's two sides of this coin. There's two sides of this coin. Uh, I'm not going to break any news here. Um, the, the reason the Nuggets went into this year without a backup center is because it, some thought patterns changed based on how Michael Malone used um, a a certain player they acquired last year for an asset um, and didn't often get off the bench. Okay? So, that's part of this too. Okay? Um, They adjusted. They saw what the, the, the Brooklyn Nets did with Jeff Green coming in as a backup center. Uh, and they attempted to go into this year uh, without a true center. Don't let Malone kind of revise history here. He didn't. The Nuggets acquired a backup center last year, actually had two of them in Isaiah Hartenstein and JaVale McGee, and neither of which really got much playing time. So, and Isaiah Hartenstein has been fantastic this year for the Clippers. <laughs> JaVale McGee has been great this year for the Suns. Um, so I'm just going to put out there that, that um, there's consequences for, for certain things, right? That, that's just my view of it. But I do know for a fact that the Nuggets adjusted the way they came into this year. Well, what has been eminently clear is that they needed a backup five. Um, they really haven't had a backup five since since Plum Dog was here, and people constantly complained about Plum Dog. Um, with Demarcus Cousins, you got a different kettle of fish, as the British would say. Altogether, he's a different. It's, it's a different kind of thing. The guy's extremely skilled, but he's a low post guy, and he is on coming into a roster that he could either improve. Or he can hurt. And this 10-day hardship thing is going to be actually a good proving ground for this. Because I can see the Nuggets, if this works out, extending him to another 10-day. And keeping throwing that out there. This is kind of, kind of dipping their toe in. 
Because Cousins, if he works out correctly, because he's such a high-skilled player, if he works out correctly, he can be absolutely essential for this team. Um, and be a guy that can like take them to the next level. Um, keep in mind, though, um, DeMarcus Cousins famously thinks he's better than Nikola Jokic. <laughs> uh, you see the famous where's Nikola thing when he was at the where's Jokic thing when he was with the Suns. I, it, it, is, it is part of a it's just a it's just part of the deal. Okay. Um, so the Nuggets coming into these this homestand after this Clippers game tonight, um, the, it's going to be interesting. The, the The team is going to have to is going to have to figure out once they sign Demarcus Cousins, they're going to have to figure out where this puzzle piece fits, and they're going to have to do it on the fly. Um, it has a potential for boom, but considering that he's on a 10-day, it doesn't have much room for bust. There's no cost with this. So the Nuggets are basically um, betting on the card to come. And it may work, and it may work out pretty well. It really depends on how, Yo- how Malone... This is the ultimate Malone test. If his relationship with DeMarcus Cousins is enough to make the other things that come with DeMarcus Cousins um, less omnipresent. And if he can do that, this Nuggets team could be, you know, sneaky dangerous by the time they get to the playoffs. Okay? Because DeMarcus Cousins is that good. So we'll see. All right, folks, uh, thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.